1: The Eagles are at the podium as we continue our coverage of organized team activities. And it's all, of course, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow my work at bleedinggreennation.com. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Today we have Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator Mike Rowe talking to the media. That is from Tuesday may 28th and it's going to air in the second portion of this show so if you just came here to hear what grow had to say you're going to want to fast forward about 10 minutes or so but i do invite you gentle listener to stay to hear my thoughts on grow and the expectations for the offense entering the 2019 nfl season Now the reason I wanted to do this a little differently today is because I'm not sure Mike Rowe gets the same kind of attention as Doug Peterson or defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz, or really even Frank Reich or John DiFilippo did when they were here, and he's been tasked with a very important role as offensive coordinator, and full disclosure – I was very critical of Mike Rowe during his first season as an offensive coordinator. And to this day, I'm not sold on how capable he is in that position. Obviously, he had fantastic results as a wide receiver coach during his tenure in Philadelphia. And when the offense does struggle, it's not just him that has to shoulder the blame. I do want to make that clear. Doug Peterson calls the plays. The offense has to execute them. But at the same time, we've seen this offense hum before and when it didn't What was different? Again, we know Doug Peterson has a heavy hand in the offense, but he's also got a lot of plates to spin as head coach. And Groh has to be able to provide suggestions and information regarding concepts, matchups, and tendencies that bear fruit on Sunday. A good example of that would be early scripting of plays. And each team does this a little bit differently, but Robert Mays of The Ringer had a great piece on this back in 2017 called The Misunderstood Art of Play Calling. In it, Mays talks about Bill Walsh, for example, who innovated the art of scripting, as it were. And Walsh came into each game with 15 to 25 plays, and he would run those plays down the list until you have a special situation where you're picking off a different menu, which is often a third down situation where you have another list of plays to pick from. Bruce Arians is another example, and this is quoting from the Mays Ringer piece. Now, quote, During the week leading up to the matchup, the Cardinals jot a few hundred plays down on a whiteboard in the quarterback room. The goal for Arians is to sift through that swath of calls and whittle it down to 30. 15 runs, picked by offensive coordinator Harold Goodwin and running backs coach Freddie Kitchens, and 15 passes selected by the quarterbacks. Of the six shot plays Arians brings into every game designed to beat defenses deep down the field, four are typically scripted, unquote. Then Arians has to order the plays. And here's where the deviation from old to new really comes in. Walsh's reasoning for scripting plays was quite literally to stick to the script, meaning he has a game plan that he wants to execute, and that list is going to help him establish what he planned to do early as opposed to calling plays going off his gut from an early juncture in the game. Arians, on the other hand, and this has to do with how the game has evolved since Wash's era, Arians uses scripting to establish substitution patterns of the defense so he can process those responses to his own personnel packages and adapt from there. Also, he mentioned getting a certain player or players involved early to get them in the game. He's collecting information, essentially, for later use. And a big difference between a good offensive coordinator or head coach to a great one is the ability to, after you've exhausted your early set of plays and they're successful, to be able to then counterpunch the counterpunch from the defense and keep the momentum going for the offense. Now, as Jim Schwartz pointed out last year to the media, halftime adjustments are fun to write about, and it's a nice buzz term that people understand, but they aren't really a thing. Adjustments are made on the fly, play by play, and being a good coordinator is putting out one fire after another as they arise. All these adjustments need to be made on the fly in real time. They don't store notes and wait for halftime and then implement the changes. It has to be done as quickly as possible to stop the bleeding or to take advantage of a weakness. Now, dialing back to the early game scripting, because that's where the weakness really showed up for the Eagles last year. I'll give another example to drive this home, and then we'll talk about how the results panned out for the Eagles. So Sean McVay, Los Angeles Rams head coach, he says he enters with 20, what he calls openers or priority calls, but that it's not realistic to expect to run down that list play for play. You have to be able to react, and that takes place not at halftime, not after the initial script runs out, but throughout the entire game from the beginning, from play one and on so yes you've got your initial game plan of what you want to establish but you always have specific situations popping up early And also advantages to exploit that need to be capitalized on, which requires going off script or selecting from a different menu and what have you. You win in those situations by being prepared for them before the game, having played out all of the possible scenarios in the lead up to the game and having an answer and then being able to identify as well the new realities on the battlefield when the game is being played. You also need to be able to establish a rhythm with the offense. Part of that is being able to get the offense back on track. When things get off kilter. So there are all these different factors that go into being a great coordinator and a great play caller. And that ability shows itself in the effectiveness of the offense and also being able to dial up shot plays at the right moment for maximum impact. For the Eagles in 2018, early scripting provided some awful results. Looking at drives that started in the first quarter. The Chiefs with Andy Reid scored on 70% of their drives, led the league. Sean McVay and the Rams came in second at 60%. Sean Payton and the Saints at 53.5%. Bill Belichick and the Patriots at 49%. That's the top of the league right there. You see where I'm going with this. The Eagles, Doug Peterson, Mike Rowe, were dead last in scoring drives that started in the first quarter with an abysmal 22.5%. They also turned the ball over on 15% of those drives. Nine drives starting in the first quarter went for scores. Six drives ended in a turnover, sixth most. Those two numbers cannot be that close. So you're not scoring. You're putting your defense in a terrible situation early in games, and you're finding yourself late to the party and playing from behind, which is not hard to visualize as an Eagles fan when you reflect back on the 2018 season. Now, why would you focus on Grow more so than Peterson while also recognizing that Grow was Peterson's choice for offensive coordinator, and that comes with its own set of criticisms outside of this? Well, for one, you look back to 2017, that same stat, scoring drive starting in the first quarter— With Frank Reich as the offensive coordinator and John DiFilippo having his input as well, the Eagles were fourth in the league with 49% of their drives resulting in a score. In fact, they were second in touchdown drive frequency. Those are fantastic results. What changed? The coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball, among other things, that's what changed. So to further drive this home, as I mentioned, it's not just about early scripting, but being adaptable and dialing up shot plays based on the advantages you see as the game evolves. Let's explore a few different ways we can measure this and compare them from year to year. So for the Eagles, explosive plays of 20 yards or more. In 2017, they ranked 11th. That dropped to 21st. Average plays on touchdown drives. So in 2017, their average touchdown drive took 7.2 plays. That ranked 14th. In 2018, It shot up to 8.3. That ranked 30th. So you're talking longer, more drawn-out drives with a bigger chance to stall out via penalty or negative plays. Now, let's try drives of five plays or less. So quick strike drives is what we'll call that. 2017, they were tied for 7th. 2018, they were tied for 20th. Now, when you look at Frank Reich, John DiFilippo with the Colts and Vikings, They didn't score worse in any of those categories. So we're talking about an offense for the Eagles that ranked 31st in the league in first quarter points with an awful average of 3.2 points. That has to change. And that's on Peterson and it's on Grow. What separates them, as I've pointed out a few times now, is that Grow has never been an integral part of an offense that ranked highly in those categories. And that's going way back to his college days. The Eagles have simply invested too much into this offense, including spending their first three picks in the 2019 NFL Draft on offensive players. Bringing back Deshaun Jackson as a home run threat, which who knows, depending on how you felt about Torrey Smith, some people think he could have been the difference between those two years. I really doubt it. Torrey only had six catches over 20 yards in that year, which is tied 80th among pass catchers, but it sure sounds fun when you say, oh, he's a field stretcher and they had to respect the speed or whatever. So, But I digress. Deshaun is a legitimate deep threat. So there's a difference there for both of them for me that could also contribute at multiple levels of the field. Alshon Jeffrey and And J.J. Arcega-Whiteside are big-time red zone threats that work the vertical third very well. Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz are matchup nightmares, especially when used together. The running back room has been upgraded. There are too many weapons on this offense, and the quarterback is too darn good, and we've talked about the expectations for Wentz, and he is capable of such high levels of play, there is zero reason, zero excuse for this offense not being way more explosive out the gate in games this year. The only thing that can hold them back is injuries and coaching. This is Grow's prove it year, in my opinion, because we know Peterson isn't going anywhere and we've laid out those differences from before and after Grow. If the offense continues to sputter early in games and changes are not made at some point, then it's on Peterson. But Grow has to be more of an asset in game planning early scripts and suggesting shot plays when the opportunities present themselves and the execution has to be cleaner. That is on him. If he can elevate his game, There is nothing holding this offense back. So, okay, I've got that off my chest now. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we are going to hear from Mike Rowe as he was at the podium during OTAs. That's
0: coming up next,
1: right after this.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience.
2: about Miles Sanders just coming out as a prospect? Well, I, I think his versatility, number one. Um, you know, we think he's really good uh, between the tackles and has the ability to make somebody miss in the hole um, and obviously create more than, than what might have been there. And obviously his ability out in space, again, to make guys miss. We think he's a versatile player and that uh, he has very good ball skills and can catch the ball in the backfield. So we're excited to add him to the team.
1: How do you self-evaluating last year did you feel like there was a missing element of, of some sort of deep
2: threat in the offense? well we think Deshaun is a special player and I think he fits our system really well and a uh, um, very good complimentary piece to the other weapons that we have on our team in that huddle at any time uh, over the course of the season so we're excited to get Deshaun back
1: how do you reflect on how your first season went as offensive coordinator your first season in that job
2: well we didn't win the Super Bowl so, um, obviously, we, we fell short of what our goal was, and um, that's what we've been in here working all off season on and excited to be back out there on the practice field with these guys and working towards that goal again. As a model
1: for that, as you had a chance to step back, what did you learn in that first year that would help you year two? Well,
2: I think you learned – there's a lot of things, and we could have a conversation for hours about things that you learned through experience, and, and uh, you know, there, there was a lot of different things that came at us that we had to adjust to throughout the course of the season. And I think, uh, you know, overall – Um, You know, we were able to do that, but, you know, going in the second year and being able to step back and and evaluate it and and look forward – um, and and add new guys to the team, and and uh, just really just keep moving forward, and and to have everybody out there practicing right now makes a big difference.
1: How does it feel you for you? How, how does it feel for you going into the second year of this job for you? Yeah,
2: I'm really comfortable in it, and uh, like I said, excited about um, being back out there with the guys. Everybody, everybody here in the building. Um, obviously, here in, in phase three and OTAs, getting to work against a, a really good defense and a challenging defense each and every day, and. Um, you know, really in player development and helping guys get, get better so that they can be the best player that they can be come training camp. What do
1: you look for from uh, specifically from Carson during these? Uh, or, what going. do you look for from Carson at this point in the preseason?
0: Well,
2: I think, um, you know, just for him, getting back out there is important. Um, be out there in May with, with everybody, getting the continuity with everybody and the chemistry uh, in the passing game and getting those throws is, is very important.
1: Uh, how does he look?
2: Yes. How does oh, he's, he's doing great. Yeah, he's doing <laughs> excellent. Is there anything that uh, stands out in terms of where he left off, actually versus last year at this point, and also where he left off? At this point, he wasn't on the practice field with us. So, like I said, it's it's a bonus to have him out there with us and um, to be able to work with the receivers and the tight ends and the running backs, um, to be able to, let's just say, uh, play from practice on Thursday, to be able to go talk about it this morning in a meeting, um, maybe maybe make a tweak and a read here or there because he's out there and he's he's feeling it. He's not just watching the tape. And able to have those kinds of productive discussions. All, all those things are helpful. You touch on him. You've had a chance to you know get to know Dallas Goddard, see what he could do. You bring in Jordan Miles, Deshaun. Where does the scheme go from here? Does it expand significantly? What's it kind of like sitting there in your meetings? No well, we, we, we certainly feel really good about the guys that we have uh, from a skill, skill level standpoint, whether you're talking about tight ends or the receiver position or the running back position. Um, we like we like the weapons that we have on offense, and, and just blending them all together is kind of the process that we're going through right now.
0: You touched on it with Carson, but at this point of OTAs, what do you want to see from the offense?
2: Um, I think just individual player development is really what we're, we're you know geared towards. Um, trying to help each and every guy become a little bit better every day. Obviously, as as they become more familiar and comfortable with working with one another, um, the continuity there in the huddle and the transitioning of different personnel groups, um, you know, and then becoming very situationally aware. Um, coach has got us, you know, doing a lot of different situations throughout the course of a practice, whether it's, you know, third down or red zone or what have you. So um, trying to be trying to be the best we can in each one of those situations. What stands out to you about that, uh, right? Uh, when we were here last week, did you work him in there at all at any point last year? And what do you see uh, in him, his ability to kind of cross train and right.
0: guard and tackle?
2: To the best of my knowledge, I would say no. We didn't we didn't work V in there last year at guard, but we have been cross training at guard some some this year. Um, I think being able to cross train and have versatile offensive linemen gives you a lot of flexibility throughout the course of a sixteen week season. Um, being that there's usually only about seven guys that are active on on game day. So uh, he's done a nice job. He's he's fit in there nicely, and and he's played well there at right guard at at times. How how do you think he fits in that position, especially given that
0: he hasn't done that um, in the first three years of his career?
2: Right. I think it's a good time for him to do that. and He's got uh, a lot of time on task at tackle, Um, feels very comfortable in the scheme and being able to communicate all the calls and and spit the calls out in moments notice. So, uh, you know, he's jumped in there and done a nice job.
1: Mike, uh, change in the quarterback room past Carson, need kind of moving up, and then you bring in Cody and Clayton. Uh, how do you see those guys fitting in and, and uh, learning the system?
2: I think the chemistry in that room has been excellent uh, up to this point. have been together um, – Maybe it's three weeks or something like that. Since since Clayton's come on board, and maybe a little bit less than that since Cody came on board. So um, between Carson and, and Nate and, and Cody and Clayton, all those guys, uh, very professional. Um, they look like they got a great working relationship in that room. There's a lot of collaboration and, uh, and dialogue in that room. It's been excellent.
1: Well, I'm sorry. What stands out to what stands out to you about Nate as he tries to lock up that second spot?
2: Well, again, he's going into year three here in our system. And I think he feels really comfortable with everything that we're, we're trying to get done. He knows the language, can communicate. Um, he's very energetic every day. He's you know kind of the same guy every day from that standpoint. Uh, loves ball and uh, is always working with the guys and, and talking with the guys on the side in between plays. So um, I think he's excited about the opportunity and ready to take the next step.
1: When it comes to scheme and kind of coming up with tweaks and adjustments, what's your process? Are you watching uh, other teams around the league, college? Are you just reviewing your own film? How do you go about that?
2: Yeah, I, it's a little bit of all those things that you just mentioned. Um, we're certainly going to evaluate ourselves and, and what we do in our system, um, how we fit the, the pieces that we have here into our system, but also to, uh, to go out and look at what other teams have success within the league um, that's always the first place to start because it's, you know, it's apples to apples. And then, um, you know, there's other things that, that you, you know, you're curious about what's going on in the college game and how can we fit some of those things into what we're doing and have success.
1: Do you have to, like, talk to any of the guys at all about, you know, spreading the ball around, making sure everybody stays happy with the amount of touches they get once the season starts? Because, I mean, obviously you added Jordan, you added Deshaun, you know, you have Nelson, um, Alshon, and, and Zach coming back in everything. It's a lot of guys. Right. right. Yeah,
2: I mean, there's right, like you said, there's one ball. And I think that they understand that. Um, I think that the, maybe it's not unique, but one of the things that uh, uh, makes it a lot of fun to come to work every day is, is really all these guys want to do is win. And they understand by having a lot of good players, it makes you hard to defend and that they might have to share the football. I think one of the things that Jordan was saying that, he wants to catch the ball better. Does he make strides in that at all in the short time? Yeah, here? I think he's done a good job in catching the ball on the, on the screens and the, and the running back check-throughs and check-downs and those kinds of things. It looks like he's worked really hard at it, and he's catching the ball well. Carson Walsh is the fourth receivers coach under Doug. What are the challenges for receivers when their position coach keeps getting switched? Well, I think that can be a challenge. I think continuity is probably underrated uh, in the game of football, but at least the, you know, the one – uh, constant has been that I've, I've been here. Um, so they've heard a lot of the same and been taught a lot of the same techniques, you know, necessarily the techniques or the drills haven't changed a whole lot. Uh, so I think there's some continuity there. I've worked together with Carson since Chicago and, uh, Carson's very detailed and, and, uh, on top of all, his, all this stuff. And I think you do an excellent job.
0: You Thank guys you. haven't
2: really thrown a lot to the backs, um, uh, since really since Doug's been here, um, uh, maybe the first year, but, uh, I mean, how important is that in this offense to to have guys who can
1: you know to, to have that threat to have that production for the backs? Oh, well, I think the they're
2: part. Of, they're certainly a, a valuable part of the passing game, and uh, we've tried to use them. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the different weapons that we have in that huddle, so. Uh, we tried to use him when we thought we could gain an advantage, and I think Darren Sproles is one of those guys that you know we thought could create a matchup problem for uh, for other teams, and we were able to give him the ball, and he was uh, he was very productive in, in some of those things that we asked him to do, and we'll continue to do that. What so, uh, Froles, what uh, about him, uh, have you heard from him? Is there any chance that he could unretire? Uh, I don't know. You'd, you'd have to ask him that. I wouldn't want to speculate on that here today. Well, how do you, you How do you have uh, as, as the you got three offensive players. Yeah, they kind of came rapid fire. Um, they really did. So it was exciting and, um, you know, excited to get those guys uh, integrated in the offense. Right now they're just um, like trying to learn a new language. And uh, obviously in some cases it's um, skill development, learning new techniques and those kinds of things. So uh, we're throwing a lot at them and they, they're all very intelligent and they're all are working really hard to, to catch up to some of the veteran guys and doing a great job.
1: How do you think Dallas Goddard's role developing in his second year? What, what, what do you want to see out of him over the next couple months
2: well I think it'll continue to grow just you know just like everybody really in that huddle we want to try to keep uh, enhancing everybody out there and, and figuring out how all these pieces are going to going to blend together but um, we're very excited about Dallas he's a very talented guy uh, had a very productive uh, rookie campaign and uh, I know he's he's just as excited as anybody to get out there and, and do it again this fall
1: Jim just talked about OTAs in general, players being at different parts of their careers as a coach. What do you find most valuable
2: about these on-field sessions? Well, I mean, we can only sit up in the office and watch so much tape. It's just to be able to get out there and um, to work with the guys. And even even a guy who's been in the league uh, and had success, uh, it's good to get out there and knock the rust off a little bit. Work your technique. Continue to um, try to master your craft. Even if you get one little one little thing out of, out of uh, you know these next uh, uh, whatever we got seven or or, or twelve practices left, um, if you get a little bit better and you figure one thing out that can help you be a better player in the fall, then it was worth it. And uh, for other guys that we talked about, the rookies, I mean, they got a lot of things that they want to get better at. So um, they got a lot more clubs in their bag that that they got to get better at hitting than than say. Uh, uh, a veteran guy who's had a bunch of success and, and knows how the league works. Um, but if he gets better at one part of his game, then, then it was a valuable spring.
0: Doug
1: said,
2: Doug said in um, March that you guys had evaluated 12 personnel and, and found maybe a way to utilize it a little more, particularly on rundowns. Obviously, you're not going to give away too much of that information. But what what, what went behind that thinking that that, that that 12 personnel package was something you needed to address? Well, we really like uh, the ability – of, of both our, you know, our starting tight ends, Zach and Dallas, um, you know, and you know, last year this time Dallas was in the same boat as JJ Miles and Andre and, and the rest of the rookie class, is trying to figure it out. And um, and what he was able to do uh, throughout the course of the entire season, into the playoffs last year, uh, really, really came on strong. I'd say from uh, um, you know about midway through, you know, somewhere in there. And didn't never see any any signs of him hitting any kind of rookie wall. Um, did a really good job at blocking at the point of attack for us. Uh, something he wasn't asked to do a lot in college. Um, so we just have a much better feel for his overall game, which enables you to you know start you know several steps ahead. Um, you know in the next season when you're just trying to figure out his game, we, we kind of know what he does well and continue to try to enhance those things. JJ's
1: case, he has three established wide receivers ahead of him. Um, you have two tight ends. You want you obviously want to play in what ways can he help?
2: one? Well, I think we saw last year, there was, you know, a bunch of, uh, it was kind of a revolving door, a little bit at wide out. Um, it's hard to go the entire season and play with just five guys. So, uh, I, I think it'll, it'll evolve as we go, you know, we're trying to figure out his game. He's trying to figure out the system. And, um, we really like the player. He's obviously got size. His ball skills are excellent. And, um, you know, he's another weapon that, uh, that, should make us hard to beat.
1: With a prospect like J.J. who makes so many contested catches in college, when you're evaluating that skill, how do you determine whether that's going to translate to the NFL where you're kind of playing against maybe a different caliber of athlete or guys with more size?
2: Well, like you said, contested catches usually translates. I mean, when you you, uh, have the body control and the concentration um, that he does, in addition to the size and the length, um, you know, that that stuff usually translates. You, you can say if somebody's next to him, he's probably going to be able to make the catch. And, um, you know, I think that's shown up. He's made some really good catches here early in the time that he's been here. And I think he'll only continue to get better at it now. He's ju- just doing football all the time. Okay, what's
0: your approach going to be to, uh, to coaching Deshaun? I mean, do, do you uh, coach every person the same or is it kind of catered to the individual? Yeah, I
2: think you coach everybody a little bit differently. Um, but, uh, you know, he's he's been a joy to be around and um, excited that he's here. Um, it really makes our job uh, that much easier because he is here and we're able to get more familiar with his game and, and to see, okay, all right, let's 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 put him in this spot or let's move him over there. I think let's take a look at this now when it's it's May as opposed to trying to figure out and trying to camp or in preseason. So um, excited that he's here and I uh, know it'll be a big part of what we do. Mike, as you look at Jordan Um the perception is that he's not the best pass catcher out of the backfield. You've been around him now for a little while. Fair? Uh, I mean, like I said, I mean, we, we've we had three practices against the defense, and he's caught the ball, and we've thrown it to him. So that's what I'm going to go by right now is, uh, you know, his production with us, and, and I think he's um, worked hard at it, and he doesn't fight the ball, and we just got to keep throwing the balls. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you.